0: 13 out of the 32 letters of the the fourth part of the Tanya discusses tzedakah. The Alter Rebbe revolutionizes our whole understanding of tzedakah. So there was a request that we can talk, have one class just focus on the Hasidic perspective on tzedakah. The Medrash says, the Medrash Rabbah, more than the rich person gives to the poor person, the poor person gives to the rich person. That's what it says in Medrash Rabbah. The question is why? Why? Now, tzedakah is one of the pillars of the world. The Mishnah it says in Ethics of Our Fathers that the world stands on three pillars. Torah, service, sacrifices, service, prayer, and gemilas chasadim, kindness, tzedakah. The signs of a Jew, a Jew has three signs. Three simanim. We are rachmanim, um, Baishanim and gomle We are compassionate, we have a sense of shame, and we are kind. Gomle chasadim. And uh, this corresponds to the three patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham epitomized kindness. He taught us kindness. But from all the three pillars, kindness is the... Abraham was the founding father, but it's also the foundational pillar. Of all the three pillars, Milet Hasadim is actually the most important. When we... Mentioned in the first blessing of the Shemoneh we mention all three patriarchs, okay Avraham, okay Yitzchak, Alekei, Abraham, Alekei, Yitzhak, Alekei Yagod, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. How do we conclude? Magen Avraham. We conclude the blessing with Abraham because this is the most fundamental, the most foundational pillar of all. The entire world was built on its kindness. The act of creation is an act of kindness, an act of Olam Chesed the world is an act of, of creation, of kindness. Now, of all the Torah portions, we don't have a Torah portion named after Torah. We don't have the Torah portion named after sacrifice. We have one Torah portion named after tzedakah. Terumah. Terumah, to give a donation. Terumah, to donate to the tabernacle. That's the name of the Torah portion, the book of Exodus. And it's interesting that, that we... We find that the Torah tells us, it's the only place in the Torah, the Torah says you have to give tzedakah, li lishmi, with a proper intention. You have to give tzedakah for the sake of heaven, which is very curious because if there's any mitzvah in which intent is so not important, It's tzedakah. You're saving a person's life. What do you care what your intent is? The Talmud says if you walk down the street and you lose money and you're upset that you lost the money and a poor person finds the money and you saved his life, you have the mitzvah. It says even if you tell someone, I'm giving you tzedakah and I I have an ulterior motive. I want my son to live. He's a tzaddik. He's a complete tzaddik. Because what the Talmud is telling us simply is that who cares what your motivation is? You, you're doing the good deed. You're saving a person's life. Do I care what they you, you have ulterior motive? There should be many people like you who have ulterior motives, but they are giving and are giving generously. What do you care what their ulterior motives? The bottom line is the deed gets done. There is an interesting explanation by Rabbi Chassam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Sofer. The question is: Okay, we can understand why the Talmud would say he's a tzaddik. He's doing the right thing. Tzaddik comes from the word Sadaka, He's doing the right thing. But why a complete tzaddik? I mean, let's not get carried away. I mean, let's not exaggerate here. He, after all, he is doing it for an ulterior motive. He's telling this person, I'm giving it tzedakah in order to save, save my, to save my son. And he gives an unbelievable explanation. He says, what the Talmud is talking about is a rich person who comes to the poor person and tells the poor person, listen here, please, I beg of you, do me a favor, help me out. Take my tzedakah. Because by you taking my tzedakah, you can save my son's life. You know, usually it's the reverse. The rich person gives and the poor person receives. Here he's turning it all around. 180 degrees, turning it around. He says, no, you don't understand. It's not me that's giving to you and me that's doing you the favor. No, no, no. You don't. You're doing me the biggest favor. Please, I beg of you. I plead. Do me a favor. Take the sadaqa and give my, give my son's life. So he's making the poor person feel like a million dollars. says a person who knows how to give. He's a prince. Not only does he give, and he gives generously, but he knows how to give. He makes the poor person who's broken and shattered, and no one wants to be in the receiving end, and you make him feel like a million dollars, this is a complete tzedakah. But the simple meaning of the Gemara is that it doesn't matter what your motivation is. You're doing the right thing. So why is this the only place in the, in the Torah the Torah says you have to do it l'shma, for the proper intention, the right intention. Also, it's interesting. There's no mitzvah of tzedakah in the seven Noahide laws. It's not one of the seven Noahide laws. Yes, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were punished. And it says in the Prophets the main reason was because they didn't give tzedakah. But there, it wasn't so much that that they didn't give tzedakah. They legislated against giving tzedakah. (laughs) It was forbidden to give tzedakah. They made it illegal to give tzedakah. they They were excessively cruel. So it's not that they have a mitzvah per se to give tzedakah. They don't have a mitzvah per se. Yes, it's part of the general framework, part of the general... That you should settle the world, and you should settle, settle, you know, create a settled society. But there's no specific mitzvah. It says we only have, only the Jewish people have a specific mitzvah of giving tzedakah. Two mitzvahs: you're not allowed to be, you're not allowed to close your heart, and you have to give tzedakah and be generous. The question is why. After all, it should be a universal idea, a universal concept. If the whole creation Olam chesed the whole creation is an act of tzedakah, an act of charity. Hashem is creating the world, Hashem is being generous, Hashem is giving and He's creating us and He's sustaining us. So it should be a universal concept. Why is it a uniquely Jewish concept? Tzedakah. And especially to the extent that Jews are obligated to give and that Jews give way beyond their obligation? It says, Bereshit Bara In the beginning, Hashem created. So Rashi brings down, quotes the rabbis. Why does he use the name Elokim? Because in the beginning, God actually intended to create the world with the attribute of din, of strictness, of justice. And instead, he created the world with kindness. He mixed. But at the end, it says, later on, it says in the Torah, that he saw the world wouldn't sustain, wouldn't be sustainable. So he mixed in kindness together with, with the strictness. If the whole world is created with kindness, the whole creation is an act of generosity, an act of tzedakah, an act of kindness, an act of giving. Why would God want to create the world with justice? No, God is perfect. So why didn't God create the world to be self-sufficient? Why would He create a world where you even need kindness? Why create a world so, so imbalanced between haves and have-nots? He should have created a world where everyone is independent, everyone is self-sufficient. In heaven there's no tzedakah. In heaven there's no need for tzedakah. The soul has whatever it needs. It's not lacking in anything. There's no hunger in heaven. There's no, the soul has everything it needs. So you can't fulfill tzedakah in heaven. There's no haves, there's no have-nots. Why did God create this world so imperfect, such an imperfect world? You have such a the gap between haves and have-nots, and you need tzedakah, and some are dependent on others. So to recap the main questions, why, why is this the only mitzvah that the Torah emphasizes that it has to be done with the proper intention? Seemingly, this is the one mitzvah where intention shouldn't matter as long as you get the deed done. Why is this uniquely Jewish? Why isn't it part of the seven Noahide laws, the universal laws, the idea of tzedakah? Why is it only that we have a mitzvah, and two mitzvahs out of the 613 that relate specifically to tzedakah? If the whole world is created, and chesed, the whole world is based on God's kindness, so it should be universal. And why did God create the world in the first place in such a way that you know you need kindness, you need tzedakah? He should have made us created this world to be self-sufficient and, and uh, self-sustaining. And if the whole world is based, the whole act of creation is an act of tzedakah, why does it say that God initially intended to create the world with justice, not with kindness? but he saw the world would not be sustainable, so he mixed in, he mixed kindness with justice. So the answer, like everything else, you have to go to the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word tzedakah. It's all in the word, in the Hebrew language. You have to drill into the actual word itself. There's a huge difference between charity and tzedakah. What's the difference between charity and tzedakah? Charity is an act of self-expression. I feel charitable, so I give charity. Charity of being charitable, the act of chesed. Chesed is compared to water. Water is actually very cold, very cool. The person who acts kindly, you know, you shouldn't take it so personally. People who are nice, people who are kind, are kind to people they don't even like. <laughs> it's, you know, the, 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 don't take it personally. It's not that they even love you or care about you or like you. They, they are just nice. They're just kind. It's just a self-expression. They like to do kindness. It has nothing to do with you. It's very impersonal. The act of creation, however, The act of creation is Bereshit Bara Alakim. You know, the classical understanding of creation, before the Arizal, before the greatest Kabbalist that ever lived, Isaac Luria, came along and completely revolutionized our whole understanding of creation, completely revolutionized Jewish thought and the Jewish concept of creation. Maimonides' understanding of creation and the Jewish philosophers' understanding of creation. Creation is an act of creativity. God, We are the canvas and God is expressing himself and revealing himself and expressing his creativity. And we are the handiwork of God. Comes along the Ardizal and says, no. Creation, creativity, is not an act of self-expression. Creativity is an act of, of... of absence. God is absenting himself. Creativity comes from the symptom. The symptom is God withdrawing himself. Creativity is creating an empty space. That's creativity. Withdrawing yourself, removing yourself, creating an empty space that gives room for someone outside yourself. So creativity is not self-expression. Creativity is withdrawal, self-removal. And all of creation comes about through that withdrawal. You know, there was a, a teacher who once handed out to his students. 30 kids in the class, he hands them out. Each one got a page. And in the center of the page was a blank page. In the center of the page was a dot. And the, and the assignment for the students was, they had an hour to describe what did they see. What did they see? Well, the students struggled with it. See a blank page with a dot in the middle? And they're, but after the hour, they all handed in their assignment. The teacher reads through quickly. He says, I'm sorry. You're all wrong. Every one of you wrote a creative, brilliant essay and what the dot means. Every single one of you wrote about the dot. Not a single one of you wrote about the blank page. I gave you a blank page. It, you didn't see the blank page. All you saw was the dot, and that's all you saw, and that's all you focused on. That's not the story. It's not about the blank page. It's not about the dot. What makes the dot? It's the blank page around it. It's, it's the blank page. That's the story. Existence, all of existence, is the dot. But what's beyond existence? That's the story. That's what we don't see. It's fascinating how science today has completely changed 180 degrees. You know, the classical scientists, Newtonian scientists, 19th century scientists. Their attitude was, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Anything I don't see, I can't see, doesn't exist. God, I can't see, so... Then they discovered the microscopic reality. A whole world... A world of chemicals, of germs, of wow, I can't see it with a naked eye but I can see it, I can see it with a the, with the microscope. Okay? It opened up a whole new world. Then they discover the atom. No one has ever seen an atom. Not because we don't have a microscope that's powerful enough. It's extrasensory. No one, it's beyond. What is the whole focus of science today? Fascinating. The whole focus of science today It's precisely in the mystery of the universe. The unknown part of the universe. Because they've come to the realization that the whole known universe, everything that we can see, there's trillions and zillions of stars and galaxies, and the whole whole universe, is merely 5% of the universe. 95% of the universe. Dark matter, dark energy. Not only we can't see, we don't even have the tools to know. It's beyond... And that's what fascinates the scientists today. That's the whole focus today is on the mystery and the part that we can see. Everything that we can see is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg that points to reality that's so beyond, the infinite, that's so beyond our even capacity to understand. Like all roads are leading to Jerusalem. So the, the Arizal says, the whole of creation, it's not existence. God, what God created. Yes, olam chesed yibana. That's an expression of God's kindness. Creativity, kindness, generosity, existence. But all of existence is just the dot. The reality is the Elokim, the tzimtzum, that's beyond, that's completely beyond what you see. And this is the fascinating idea of tzedakah. This is why tzedakah is not charity. Charity is part of seven Noahide laws. It's part of the context of the seven Noahide laws. You have, to, you, have to be, you have to settle this world and you have to lead a productive life. So Of course, you have to be charitable and God forbid not to be anti-charity. But tzedakah is a whole different concept. Tzedakah is righteousness. Tzedakah is not charity. The concept of tzedakah, as al Tarebi says, Tzedakah is about taking money, the ultimate ego symbol, and sacrificing. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving up. There's a huge difference between philanthropy and tzedakah. Philanthropy means giving away your last dollar bill. (laughs) You have so much money you don't even know what to do with it already. And then you start thinking about, okay, maybe I should give some away. Tadaka means giving away your first dollar bill. That dollar bill that everyone hangs up in the store, you work so hard for, and finally you made your first dollar bill. And you recognize it all comes from Hashem. And I can give away Tadaka. It's about that hard-earned money that engages and occupies most of your adult life, your career, You work so hard, and you've honestly earned that money. And it's yours. And sometimes people sacrifice to make that money and pour their whole heart and soul and all their energies to earn that money and to give it away. To be able to sacrifice that money, tzedakah. Tzedakah means I'm not doing anyone any favors. It's not a question of charity. I feel charitable, so I'm giving to No. Tzedakah is righteousness. It's an active, it's, I'm doing something active. It's a positive act. But it's an act that touches the white space, that goes beyond the dot, that goes beyond existence, that touches the infinite, because it's, it's giving up, it's sacrificing, it's paralleling God's creative act. God creates, and the act of creation is not just the creative act, it's the symptom. it's the empty space, it's, it's beyond just the act of creation. And the act of tadaka is a divine creative act. We are actually giving tadaka. And the ultimate tadaka, the ultimate form of giving tadaka, is not only because we emulate God. God creates, and God is creative, and God gives. And we also are creative, and we give, and we're generous, and we're kind, and we're also sacrificing. We're doing a timtum, our own personal timtum. We're sacrificing, removing our egos, getting out of the way and allowing for another person. And that's why it's not only that we give, but how we give. We create that space. We give generously and we make the person feel good. It's not just the giving, it's how we give. But it's more than that. It's when a person realizes that when I'm giving, it's not me giving. I become a conduit for Hashem. Hashem is giving. There's no ego. Ego is completely out of the way. I become a completely transparent, I become a conduit for Hashem. Hashem is giving through me. I have the merit. I, if, I'm, if I merit, I'll have the merit that Hashem will give through me. But it's not me giving. It's Hashem giving. Completely, your ego is completely out of the way a beautiful story with the, uh, with the Rebbe. I think, Tal- I think Talushkin tells it in this book. A very wealthy philanthropist in London, we knew personally, used to come to visit the Rebbe, used to stay in my house actually, my parents' house. And um, Bobby Vogel. And uh, he decided, when the Rebbe turned 70, the Rebbe said he doesn't believe in retirement. You know, in America, 70 was already, you know, collecting Social Security for five years. The Rebbe says, no, no, no. Judaism, there's no such concept of retirement. For his birthday, the Rebbe requested they should open 71 new institutions. <laughs> you know? that, was, that was almost like double what Lubavitch had then. This is going back a few years. So, Bobby Vogel offered, he was a diamond merchant, and he offered, he wanted to create a school to teach the young people at first getting married to be able to make a nice living, and an honest living, and a comfortable living, and be able to be Jewish, to teach, teach these young people, teach them the trade, and teach them the skill how to polish diamonds, how to become successful in the diamond business. So he suggested he went to the Rebbe. He suggested that he this is he wanted to open as one of the seventy one uh, institutions to call it to be named. He wanted to name it after the Rebbe, or name it after Labavish, like it's a Labavitch institution to help young people. To, they should be able to set them up for life. He was shocked by the Rebbe's response. He says, absolutely not. And he should open it, but he shouldn't call it Labavish, It shouldn't be a Labavish institution. He was like, shocked, why not? I mean, after all, he's doing this because he was a Labavitch chassid, and he's inspired by the teachings of the Rebbe, and it's an act of unconditional love for your fellow Jew to help out the London community and the Jewish community. The Rebbe says, you know why? Because there's going to be a Satmer, a Satmer young, young man from Satmer, Satmer Hasa, who doesn't like Lubavitch. So because you're going to name it Lubavitch institutions, he won't feel comfortable, he won't be able to join. So you're going to deprive him of, of his livelihood? This is Sedaka. This is this is a level of tzedakah that's completely egoless. I mean, after all, why shouldn't it be called after the Rebbe's name? And the, I mean, and It should be called Labavitch, and it should be a Labavitch institutions, and you should be very proud of it. And it's a wonderful institution to help people, but it's inspired by. And the Rebbe says, no, it's not about. It's not about me. It's not about. It's not. It's not an ego thing. We have to be generous and we have to be kind because God is generous and God is kind. Not only we emulate God, but our generosity is just an extension, an expression of God's generosity. So this is, this is the level, this is the kindness, that Avraham of Inutoros. This is tzedakah. This is uniquely Jewish. This is divine. That's why the Torah says it's so important that you have to give tzedakah for the proper intention. Because tzedakah has to be grounded. It's not that Avram was hopelessly liberal and he was just a nice guy and he loved doing kindness and he, you know, Jews just like to do kindness. That's that's not what tzedakah is. That's charity and that's philanthropy and that's very nice, but it has nothing to do with tzedakah. Tzedakah is grounded on a profound understanding of godliness on a profound truth, and a profound understanding of the miracle of creation. Both aspects of creation, the expression and the creativity and the generosity, and the tzimtzum, the sacrifice, the removal of the ego. Tzedakah is the ultimate act of its generosity coupled with sacrifice. And Abraham's kindness was rooted in that deep understanding. And that's why Abraham was ready to sacrifice his personality. Abraham was generous and kind. And yet, if a person, ref- all he asked for in Be'er Sheva, which was the crossroads of the world then, the middle of the desert, and he gave them seven-star accommodations and all for free, and all he asked was one thing. Bench. Say grace after the meal. Acknowledge God. Thank God for all the kindness that you just received. Most people happily oblige. But he had a few stubborn ones, stubborn atheists, and says, no, I don't believe. So suddenly, this kind, generous Abraham turned ferocious. And he became tough, like, like tough as nails. All of a sudden, he handed him this huge, gigantic bill. He says, oh, so you don't believe in God. So you think this is a jungle. You want to live by the laws of the jungle. Well, if you live by the laws of the jungle, where are you going to get seven-star accommodations? This is this. It was even better than the King David Hotel <laughs> or the new Waldorf in, in Jerusalem. Where are you going to get such seven-star accommodations in the middle of a desert? Are you kidding me? So you want to play by the rules of the jungle? Then pay up. This is the bill. By the time he hit them over the head with this huge bill, they saw the light. He says, "You know, Abraham, I'm beginning to see your point." <laughs> Pass me the bencher. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say the grace after the meal, because Abraham's kindness wasn't just he was a nice guy and he liked doing kindness. That's charity. That's philanthropy. That's nothing to do with tzedakah. Tzedakah is deep rooted. Tzedakah is profound. Tzedakah is godly. Tzedakah is divine. Tzedakah is. And it comes from an under, a, a deep-rooted understanding of the truths of the universe. The whole universe is based on tzedakah, chesed, and Elokim and tzimtzum. Together, in tzedakah, they merge so beautifully. It's, the, it's a positive act, an act of giving, of generosity. But it's also based on a sacrifice, egolessness, on genuineness. And that's why the, why did Hashem create a world to be so imperfect? Because the truth is, all of the worlds, the upper realms, in heaven, where everything is perfect, heaven is a dat. The Talmud says, says in the passage, with the letters yud the whole world is created. The whole upper worlds were created with a yud. All it is is a dat. It's a spiritual world, but it's a dat which points, it's the tip of the tip of the iceberg, which points to that blank page, to that infinity, the infinite, Hashem, who transcends the whole frame of reference of the universe. How do you touch, how do you access the infinite? How do you access Hashem? That's only through tzedakah. So Hashem created the most perfect world of all. He created this world, which allows us to become partners with Hashem, to become godly and divine, and to reach beyond the dot, to reach beyond existence, to touch the infinite, to touch Hashem himself, the transcendent level. And that's only through the act of tzedakah. That's why the act of tzedakah is the ultimate pillar, it's the ultimate Avram Avinu, the founding father and the foundational principle. And this is what's unique for our generation. This is where our generation shines and sparkles. Every generation has its own unique task. The previous generations, it was Torah. They had brilliant minds, the Talmudic rabbis. We can study for a thousand years, we'll never even come close. Definition of a genius is not that if you studied it long enough, you would come to the same conclusions. A genius, you would study for a thousand years, you'll never be Einstein you'll never see what Einstein sees. It, it's a whole different level. So Hashem gave them the mind and the brains. And look, they had nothing. And look how prolific they were. Imagine if they had what we had. The computer and all the information at your fingertips. We have everything. We can't produce anything. <laughs> they, have, they had nothing. And look at the sheer brilliance and the sheer... So that was their main service. They developed the Torah and they developed the... We are the midgets of the midgets of all old, of the generations. We are the souls of the souls of the feet. They were the brains, the heart. We are, we are the bottom of the bottom, scraping the bottom of the bottom. But what do we have? What's our mitzvah? Where do we sparkle? Tzedakah. The levels of tzedakah that are given today, the amount of tzedakah that's given today. Today you have a hundred Moses Montefiores. Then you had one Moses Montefiore. Today you have hundreds people who give, who give, and give generously. And that's why the Rebbe, every Sunday, the Rebbe gave out dollars because emphasized, this is our generation, this is our task. This is where we sparkle, this is our mitzvah. This is the gateway for us. All the other mitzvot, our Torah, our service, all has to go through tzedakah. Because this is where we shine the levels of tadaka and how we give tadaka and, and and the so this is and this is the best antidote this is the best cure for any illness by the way people who give tzedakah, when a person gives when he doesn't have he gives when he has a person who says you know I don't I don't have I can't give when I when I'll become a millionaire then I'll start giving you know that never happens because it depends what your, your definition changes. <laughs> when you have nothing, you know, if I have $100,000, oh, then I'll start getting, 100, what's $100,000? You'll have a million. What's a million? A million today is nothing. You do know, 10 million. And then it becomes 100 million, then it becomes a billion, then it becomes, you know, it never happens. <laughs> the guy is in his grave before he's giving any tzedakah. A person who gives his first dollar, bill, tzedakah, not charity. A person who gives when he doesn't have, will give when he has. it's the only mitzvah Hashem says, test me. Please test me. I beg of you. If you give, you'll get ten times as much. It's quantum mechanics. You empty your packets, and Hashem fills it up. (laughs) You have to empty your packet in order for Him to to fill it up. But this this is divine. God created the world, something from nothing. Tzedakah is giving something for nothing. If you have a reason to give, it's not really tzedakah. If you can find a reason to give. But tzedakah means I have no reason to give. There's no rhyme, there's no reason, and I give it anyway. This is divine. So if you believe in creation, if you believe in the divine, only then could you truly give tzedakah. Something for nothing. And then miraculously, the more you empty your pockets, it's amazing. I mean, look at Bill Gates. He decided to give away all his money. The more he gives... I mean, the more he can't give it away fast enough. The more he gives, it's like he, every year he gives, he becomes richer and richer. <laughs> like Hashem just keeps on filling his pockets more and more. I mean, if people knew the power of Tadaka, my manager says, no one ever, got, no one ever in the history of the world ever got hurt by giving tzedakah. You give Tadaka. the more you give, the more, the more you get, and it's the best antidote, the best antidote for all our illnesses, physical illnesses, spiritual illnesses any help that we need. Because the truth is, everything we're doing is really an act of tzedakah. Even taking care of our families. It's it's divine. It's not just, I'm taking care of my loved ones. It's actually, it's something divine. Because God takes care, God provides. That's what God does. What does God do? Creates, provides, sustains. So when you're taking care of your family, you're doing something godly. It's not just, when you're sitting in the synagogue and I'm studying Torah, I'm doing something godly or I'm praying. But the act of your career, of going about your business and, 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 and earning a living and taking care of your loved ones, that alone is a godly act. But God says your first responsibility is to take care of your wife and kids and your family, immediate family. But the idea is that we are godly 24-7. We are givers, we are providers. That's what we spend most of our adult life, providing and taking care of, of another adult, taking care of another person, not just taking care of ourselves, taking care of someone else. This is godly. God takes care of us, so we're taking care of someone else. So our whole life is godly and divine. and, and It's the best antidote for any, anything that we need in life. It's never enough. There's nev- you can never do There's no limit to the amount of tzedakah that we can give and the amount of good that it does for us. Even though the Talmud says there is a limit, a person should only give, not give more than 20%. 10% we're obligated to give. 10% we're not doing anyone any favors. If we don't give 10%, we're actually thieves. I mean obviously we're talking about someone who can pay his bills, someone who's struggling to pay his bills. You know, he can't give 10%. He has to give, everyone has to give tzedakah. Because even the poorest person, there's always someone that's less off and less fortunate than you. But you don't have to give 10%. But if someone is comfortable, you have to give 10%. Someone put in this neighborhood, he says, imagine you had a partner, a senior partner, who's really doing everything. And he tells you, you know, all I want in this partnership is give me 10%. You keep 90%. (laughs) I'll take 10%. You would run. Where where do I sign? Where do you find such partners? Well, Hashem is the senior partner. Hashem really does everything. Not only does the heavy lifting, He does everything. But Hashem says, you know what? Just do me a favor. You keep 90%. Just give me 10%. Please. I I would call the rabbi. Please. What can I do to help? How can I get my 10%? Please. You know, Maimonides describes the eight levels of tzedakah. Anyone know what the top level is? Number eight? Number one Or the top level, the highest level? The highest level is to help a person become self-sufficient. That's the highest level. The next level is to give, but to give anonymously. Both ways. You don't know who's receiving, and the receiver doesn't know who's to give. It used to be in the temple, there used to be an office called Lishkat Chashein, An office, a quiet office, the rich people would give their money. They had no idea who the money was distributed to. And the poor people had no idea who they gave. So when they bumped into each other in the street, no one was embarrassed. No one knew knew anything. It was completely anonymous. Next level is anonymous, but it's one way anonymous. The giver knows who he's giving to, who the receiver is, but the poor person doesn't know. So they, they used to slide money in the mailbox under the door. They would slide money to the poor people. They had no idea who the benefactor was, who this tzaddik, this angel was, who would slide money under their door to help them. So this was the this is the next level. So the the poor person is not embarrassed. He doesn't he he meets someone in the street. He doesn't know. And the next level, the fourth level, is when the the poor person knows who gave him, but the rich person doesn't know. That that they used to the rich people used to walk and they used to hang the money in the back behind them, and whoever needed it would take. They, they had no idea. They didn't want to know who needs it. So when they see them down the street, they don't have to, they don't know. But the poor person knows who gave. The next level is someone who gives before he's even asked. (laughs) Before you have to ask him to give. He calls. He makes a phone call. He says, what can I do to help? How much do you need? Could I give something? The next level is someone who gives, but he gives only after you ask. The seventh level is someone who doesn't give how much you ask him to give. He gives less, but he gives it with a smile. Listen, I can't can't help you, I can't... But he gives it with whatever he could give. He gives generously with a smile, gently. He's happy to give, he's happy to help. And the eighth one is someone who gives, but he gives with a frown. In other words, okay, begrudgingly, I have to give. But (laughs) he tortures you, you know, it's like... It's very clear who's the giver and who's the receiver and who's the schnorer and who's the beggar and who's the, who's the generous one. And you know, it's like he brings the life out of you. It's almost, it's almost not worth it. You now they tell a story that once uh, a great Hasidic Rebbe and he was very poor because everything he had he used to give to his Hasidim. Once a very wealthy person came, he said, places on the table a huge bag of gold and coins. Says Rebbe, this is all for you. His gaboyim, the people who helped him, were so excited because they knew with this money he can pay up all his debts. He, you know, he can live. They knew how dire the situation was. To their shock, the Rebbe returned back a whole bag of money. He says, no, thank you. So he, he, he keep it. And he left. He says, Rebbe, I mean, we're so desperate. Hashem saved us. He gave us this money. Well, why did you send it back? So the Rebbe smiles and says, if you would see the glee and the joy that he had when I gave him back his money. (laughs) He says, please, don't do me any favors. Take your money. Some people, they write the check and it's like they torture themselves. Please, don't torture yourself. Have mercy on yourself. (laughs) Keep the money. If you think you're doing someone such a big favor and you're writing a check and you're giving money to tzedakah, but the bottom line is, if you give it, you give it. So so these are the eight, eight levels of tzedakah. But on the other hand, the Talmud says you, should, so you must give 10%. The Talmud says don't give more than 20%. Now what does that mean, don't give money more than 20%? If a poor person is knocking on your door, he's about to die, I'm sorry, I reached my quota, I gave 10%, I'm not allowed. <laughs> the code of Jerusalem, I'm sorry, you have to die today. Because it says the code of Jerusalem, <laughs> I'm not allowed to give Tzedakah. Are you kidding me? That's not what it means. Poor person is knocking on your door. You can help, you help. Help a little, something. Even if it's beyond the 20%. We're not talking about if a poor person knocks on your door. We're talking about your obligation to set aside 10%. Even if there's no poor person knocking on your door, you still have to set aside 10% to help the poor. So I don't have to set aside more than 20. To be generous, uh, 20. Not more than 20. That's what the Talmud says, not more than 20. But if a person is knocking on your door and you give more than that, you're, you're, you're a chassid, you're, you're pious. You're going way beyond the letter of the law. That's wonderful. It's beautiful. But the al Rebbe says all these limitations don't really apply today. So the Balshemtiv said the reason it doesn't apply. The Balshemtiv said you can give more than twenty because it's interesting language that the, the, the rabbis use. I'm a vazvez, al ye vazvez yoter mechomish. Yavazvez means is a language that comes from spoil, like spoils of war. Is Biza, spoils of war. Now, so, the, why do the rabbis use this language? The Bar Shem Tov explains that someone who, for them to give tzedakah, it's like a war. They have to do battle against their stinginess, against their nature. It's so difficult for them. So, and they're giving tzedakah in order to sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for them. If it's a sacrifice, the Talmud says, don't give more than twenty percent. It's enough. Ten percent, twenty percent, fine. You've made your point. You've done your sacrifice, but don't don't kill yourself. (laughs) I'm a Vazvez. If it's a sacrifice for you and it's like war, uh, don't give more than 20 But what if you enjoy giving tzedakah? What if you've realized what tzedakah is and the power of tzedakah, and you enjoy it? So, does it make sense? I can spend money on myself. I can go on vacation. I can spend money on myself, but I'm not allowed to give tzedakah. I enjoy giving tzedakah. So if you enjoy it, I can use my money for whatever I want. If that's what I enjoy, I can use all my money. Al-Tarebi says another reason. Today, it doesn't apply because today we need the cure, the healing of tzedakah. Tzedakah is healing. Tzedakah tatzol mi mavet. Tzedakah saves from death and from all illnesses. So the act of tzedakah is actually the ultimate, ultimate cure. So when a person is sick, does a person place any limits on how much money you're going to spend a person will bankrupt himself a person will undergo painful but there's nothing a person won't do for his own health you undergo painful procedures we have here people come from all over the world they don't ask any questions could I afford it they get on the plane and they come they do whatever they have to do so if you realize that tzedakah is helping you and is healing you this is the antidote for your help then I'll do whatever it takes there's no limits 10%, 20%. So today, spiritually speaking, we all need a healing. We all need a cleansing, a deep healing. So today, it's a tzedakah, we have to give without, without limitations. And give, and give again, and again. And the Altarebi practiced what he preached. The Altarebi took his wedding money. When he got married in the olden days, especially if married someone rich, you know, it was a prize to get a scholar, a scholar as a son-in-law, and the rich father-in-law, Gave him Madden, Gave him a serious chunk of change, money, and with this money he can invest, and he can and he can study in peace and the, pursue his learning and continue to grow in his learning. Why take such a precious mind and waste it? And you know, even La even in the world, you, you pay people. Einsteins of the world, you pay them. We don't want you to working. This is your work. Con- work and develop your mind and develop your ideas. So, this is, this is in the shtetl. The rich man used to marry, the rich man had his daughter, and his daughter would marry the rabbi's son, and, you know, the most brilliant kid in town, and he would pursue his learning, and the rich man would guarantee a living, he would give him money, and he would put aside. Alter Rebbe's wife was extremely rich. I mean, his, her family. And they gave him a lot of money. What did Alter Rebbe do with all of his money? He used his money, he invested his money, he used all his money to help Jews um, move away from the town so they should be able to develop farmland, they should be able to to sustain themselves, they should be able to earn an honest living, a good living, clean living. So he used all his money for tzedakah to help his fellow Jews. And when his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek, when he got married, the Alter Rebbe once asked him, what are you planning to do with all your nadin?" He said, I'm planning to invest it, and you know, so I'll be able to live off it, and I'll continue my studies. The Alter Rebbe opened his drawer, where he had all his Sadakas, all his different charities. He says, you know, I think the best thing is put all your money in here. So <laughs> I was not ready to... All this is his life money. This is his money for life. Said, of course, he gave 10%, probably gave 20%, maybe even more. But he said, no, nah, no. Nah, <laughs> he backed out of the room. He walked away. He, asked one, he gave the money to one of the Hasidim who was an investor, who was a businessman. And hoping that he would live off the, uh, you know, the returns. But, you know, life happens, and with his Yiddish amazel, that investor lost everything. Someone said he lost all of his money. This great knot that he was going to live off the rest of his life. A few months later, al says, so how are your investments going? So he tells him the truth. He says, there's nothing left of it, not a trace. It's all gone. Gone. Altarev, tells him the story. I think we once told the story. I told, told him the story. He says, let me tell you a story. He says, when I was a student by my Rebbe, the Maggid of Mizritch, And We were traveling. And uh, we stopped at this inn. I asked the innkeeper, I said, is there a minion around here? Is there any Jews living around there? And he says, no. He says, so what do you do? How do you hear the Torah on Mondays and Thursdays and Shabbat? He says, uh, I don't. I go in, like here, you know, once a year, or Yom Kippur, I come to town, and then I pray with a minion, but other than that, I, I'm here alone. But I have a great living here, I'm living, been, I've been here 40 years, and I live very comfortably, and El Rebbe says, how can a Jew, how can you live here alone? No minion, no hearing of the Torah, what's going on? You have to move back to town. He says, Rebbe, how can I make a living in town? There's so many people, so much competition, everyone is starving, I won't be able to make a living. The said, listen, the same God who figured out to give you a living here will figure out to give you a living even in town. And the Rebbe went to do his own thing. He was praying and a few hours later he sees outside wagons and loaded wagons. He turns to the owner and says, what's going on? Why?" why? He says, what do you mean what's going on? You told me that I can't live here. And he left. And I think the story was that after he left, there was a, uh, a fire and everything burnt down. Had he stayed, he would have lost everything. But because he had that simple faith, the Rebbe said, leave. And he left. Now the Rebbe said, listen, I wasn't a Rebbe then. I was just a, a student. When he heard that I was, the young, I was the youngest student, I was the student of the chassid, of the great Maggid of Mizrich." And I told him, how, could you, how can a Jew live here? He was 40 years in this place. He was an elderly gentleman, an elderly yid. He was comfortable. He was successful. He had a family. But he heard these simple words, truthful words. He immediately responded with a simple faith, packed his bags and left. al says, you know who I am. And I suggested, put all your money there. So Al-Turabi practiced what he preached. He uh, was a big, lived with tzedakah, believed in tzedakah, lived with tzedakah. Thirteen, thirteen of the thirty-two letters, the fourth part of the tanya, all deal with tzedakah. And these are not the type of letters that we receive in the mail, charity letters. (laughs) Every letter is a revolution, every letter completely changes our whole understanding of, of tzedakah. So in the merit of tzedakah, of our tzedakah, will merit the ultimate tzedakah. Hashem will give us and bring us the ultimate redemption. And even if we don't deserve it, Hashem should give tzedakah and be be more than just charitable. Even if it's a sacrifice. (laughs) Even for whatever reason, Hashem is not ready yet to bring Mashiach. Hashem has to make a sacrifice. That's the greatest sacrifice Hashem has to make. To forgo His plans and to cut everything short and to... Give us mashiach now. Something for nothing, even if we don't deserve it. Something for nothing. So be it. So give something for nothing. Give us the tzedakah, and, and the merit of all the tzedakah that the Jews are giving and have given and will give. will merit. We're going to go beyond the dat. will merit and touching the infinite. We'll experience the revelation of the infinite, the revelation of Hashem, and the. Uh, the revelation of the essence of Hashem that transcends the whole universe, whole frame of reference of the universe, and um, will merit the experience, the experience, the coming of Mashiach physically, literally, the act of tzedakah is a positive act, it's a physical act. So we will also merit the revelation of Hashem physically, in this physical world, with the coming of Mashiach physically, with the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash physically, with the ingathering of the exile physically, with all the promises of Mashiach, which will materialize, in the most tangible sense, in the most real sense, and may it happen now. Actually, it's very interesting. The, the Hebrew word for giving, in the Parsha of Truma, it says, "venasnu." you should give. Vinosnu ish Vinosnu is a palyandrum. Palindrome is backwards and forwards. No matter how you spell it, it reads backwards and forwards the same way, "Venasnu." Because whatever energy you put out, if you put out positive energy and generous energy, it will come right back to you. The same in Hebrew, there's a word for hitting someone, vehiko, when you hit someone, it's also a polyandrum. Because if you put out negative energy and you hurt someone, it's going to come right back at you. It's going to come slap you in the face. If you do a kindness, it's going to come right back at you. The generosity, the kindness will come right back at you. Talmud says if a person has a decree, a decree against you, if he gives tzedakah he can literally save you from death it tells a story of Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Akiva's daughter the day she got married and the stargazer saw that she was going to die the day she got married she was going to die she wasn't going to make it to her wedding and uh, the rabbis came running to see you. Rabbi Akiva comes running says, and he sees his daughter is alive and well he says what happened? Did anything special happen today? He says, yeah, I was busy getting ready for the wedding, and a very poor man comes knocking on the door. And he says, he's pleading and begging, please, I'm starving to death, please help me. So I didn't dismiss him. You know, I'm so busy now, please don't bother me. I'm getting married, please come back a different time. I took off my, uh, my, uh, my, my headband or whatever. It had a pin in it, and I hung it up on the wall, so I should be able to take care of the poor person. And what happened was, without her realizing it, in the wall there was a hole there and there was a snake that was poised to pounce on her, poison the snake. She put the pin in the hole, she actually put the pin right in the head of the snake and killed the snake that was about to kill her. She was completely oblivious to what happened and she was taking care of this poor person. So because of tzedakah, because of her generosity, her act of tzedakah literally saved her life. So tzedakah is the antidote for everything. Anything challenging in our life, anything negative, even death itself, tzedakah could. It's the ultimate antidote. People knew the power of tzedakah; they would give and give and give. And every time you give tzedakah, every time, every act of tzedakah, every time you give it, it generates tremendous positive energy and positive energy. And this is what keeps the world going. This is this is the ultimate divine act. This is the ultimate godly act. You bring godliness into the world in the most concrete way. It's the most ultimate, creative, divine act that we can do. God takes nothing and turns it into something. He takes energy and turns it into matter. We give tzedakah. We take matter and turn it back into energy. We take money, the ultimate ego symbol, a force of divisiveness, and we actually turn it around and turn it into, create something that's unifying and brings unity and goodwill and holiness and godliness into this world. Every time we give tzedakah. Our Bubbies, those who remember, used to actually nail, had nailed a pushkin to the kitchen, into the wall. And every time they sat down to eat, breakfast, lunch, or supper, before they sat down to eat, they would put a penny or a nickel or a dime, a quarter into the tzedakah box. Before I take care of someone else, I'm hungry. I have needs. Someone less fortunate than me. Let me take care of they were constantly, so this was like nailed into the wall. It was part of their day. It wasn't just, it was constant giving, not just I'm giving once in a while. Breakfast, lunch, supper, constantly. It's constantly in my mind. It's constantly. After the Rebbe gave every Sunday. He was trying to bring it into our consciousness. Our should be constant. And even if the amount, it's, it's, the, it's the constancy and the quantity, not only the quality, the amount. The amount is also important. If you give a huge amount, it's tremendous. It's also, if you have both, the quality and the quantity, the constant giving and constant giving. And, and even if we exhaust ourselves after there, says, continue to give even more and, uh, and don't stop. And Hashem will repay. Hashem will, God is interactive. The way we treat others is exactly the way God treats us. So we, we're generous and kind to a fault. God will also be generous and kind with us. And with this, the Rebbe explains why... In the Torah portion of Teruma of tzedakah, it says, V'yikhu li teruma, you should take from me, temi, for me, to me, for me, terumah. And all the commentators ask, if you know Hebrew, it should have said, V'yitnu, you should give. You give a donation, you don't take a donation. So the simple explanation is that it's referring to the collector. It's not referring to the one who's giving the tzedakah, it's referring to the collector, the one who's collecting tzedakah, V'yikhu, the one who takes, who collects from all the individuals, goes around collecting everyone's donation, contribution to the tabernacle. The Torah says whatever he does should be li Lishmi, He should do it for the sake of heaven, not that he not for any ego motives, that he's the big macher and he's the mover and the shaker, and he's the one responsible, the treasurer, responsible for the communal funds and entrusted with the communal funds, but he should do it with a sense of humility, and he should do it for the sake of heaven. But in a deeper explanation is, v'yikru, Actually refers to the one who's receiving. You know, it's one thing to tell the person who's giving that he should do it for the divine sake. He should give with a sense of humility and he should do it for the sake of Hashem. But the one who's receiving. He's collecting because he's in dire need. He's starving, he needs money, he needs to feed his family, he needs money. So he doesn't need any, he doesn't need to be told, he doesn't need to be prompted to go and to collect money, to ask for money. He needs, it's a necessity, it's not a necessity. So the Torah is telling us that even he, even the poor person who's receiving should also do it for the sake of Hashem. Not just because he has a need, not because, you know, he's going around asking because he realizes that this is all part of the divine plan, the master plan, the grand plan. That God created the world of haves and have-nots and and needs and wants in order that the whole world should be set up, there should be a giver and a receiver. So God gave us the ultimate gift. What's the ultimate gift that God can give mankind, give us? created beings that we should be godly and godlike God is a giver God is a creator God is a provider so God created us that we in turn also become givers and providers and creators we become partners with Hashem and creation so we're not just dependent we receive everything that we need we're not like the light of the Sun that receives everything that it needs from the Sun we actually become the sun. we become a giver, a source, a source of giving, a source. So if, the, if there was a world which was perfect and there was no needs, no genuine needs and wants and lacking and lack, then there wouldn't be any role of giving, there wouldn't be any, any point of, there wouldn't be any creators or givers. So God created the most perfect world of all, He created a world in which we can become godly and godlike, givers, providers and creators. So the receiver should also realize this, or also realize he's not just begging or asking or requesting money because he has a need. But it's all part of the divine plan. By him asking, and by him giving the other person the opportunity to give, he is fulfilling the divine plan, the master plan, the grand plan, the ultimate purpose for creation fulfilling and allowing the most perfect of all worlds to play out our world where we give the giver the opportunity to become partners with god to be godly and godlike so even though he's giving and i'm receiving but nevertheless without me there's no giver so if i wouldn't have a need he would never have the opportunity to give so i'm also in the central part of this divine plan so you should you should the vehicle the taking of the donation should also be li lishmi with a divine intent. So this is everything that we explained. In tzedakah, it's all beautiful. But at the end of the day, the poor person is left to ask the question. He asked the one question, and for this one question, there is no answer. There is no good answer. This is what the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash, once said. He was saying a Hasidic discourse, and he said this with a very loud voice, and everyone was like, you can hear, a, you can hear, a, you couldn't hear a whisper in the crowd. Everyone was like mesmerized, and the Rebbe said, the poor person asked a single question that has no answer, has no good answer. This question is. While it's true that we understand that God needs to create a world with his haves and have nots, there's a giver and there's a taker, in order to fulfill the divine purpose of creation, to create the most perfect world of all, in order to give us the ability to be godly and godlike, God is giving us a piece of himself. He's allowing us to become a son, a creator, an innovator, a giver. But the poor person says, I understand all of that, but the question is, why do I have to be the one in the receiving end? <laughs> why shouldn't you be in the receiving end? I would prefer to be the giver. No one likes to be in the receiving end, to be the taker. So yes, I understand that Hashem needs, and it's important that there should be haves and have nots, but why do I have to be the have not? I should have been the have. We all know that the rich person is no better than me, and..." And why does he deserve to be the one who's giving? And for this, there is no answer. And that's why the Rebbe said, when the rich person gives, he has to empathize with the poor person. He has to step into his shoes, and he has to feel and understand this question that the poor person is asking, and he has to agree with the poor person, because the rich person knows better than anyone that, dear, for the grace of God go I. You read every successful book, every successful autobiography. There's an element that the world calls luck, but we know it's divine providence. Either you were born to the CEO of the company, <laughs> the president of the company, or you met the right person at the right time, the one in a million chance, you were at the right place, and Hashem shined as uh, yad mazel, and Hashem just shined, smiled at you, and you were successful. How many musicians play in the subways that are more talented, and those who made it? <laughs> and they're sitting collecting quarters while these the half-wits who are, who are talentless, are raking in millions. There, for the grace of God, go, why? Why? So the rich person knows even better than the poor person how right the poor person is. I don't not that I deserve to be rich or I'm something better, I'm special. It's just God smiled at me, and He made me rich. So you have to feel and empathize with the poor person. And you have to feel his pain. You have to cry with him. And that's why the Talmud says that if you give a penny to the poor person, you're blessed. There are six blessings, but if you give it, you make him feel good. From a Faisa, you get 11 blessings. If you make it, you give him with empathy. There's no sense of haughtiness and arrogance. You're the schnutter and I'm the giver. But on the contrary, You give with a broken heart because you realize that why it should really be the reverse. He should have been the giver and I should have been the receiver. What makes me any better? Why am I in the position of the giver? He is 100% right. For this there is no answer and that's why you give with egolessness. No arrogance. Give humbly. Yes, we're both fulfilling the divine plan. And in order for the divine plan to be fulfilled we need a giver and a receiver. But there's no way, there's no, it doesn't say anywhere that I have to be the giver and he has to be the receiver. It should have really been the reverse, perhaps. So that you have to empathize and you have to give with, because we're all in this together. So we could have easily reversed roles. I could have been there and he should have been here. So you give and you give with humility and you give with empathy. You feel the pain of the poor person person who knows how to give. Not only he gives generously, but he knows how to give. This is, this is a prince. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com